Hello, and welcome to the Big Faith Podcast by the Simple Truth Campus Ministry at the University of Arkansas. God often calls us to do things that are uncomfortable or that don't make sense to us. But living faithfully and walking in that faith means that we must be ready to answer that call, even if we might not understand the big picture that God has in mind. This time we're not joined by Josh. Instead, it is I, Brandon. Uh, I'm joined today by Emily and Jojo. (laughs) How are y'all doing? Pretty good. Sweet. How's y'all's week been? It's been all right. Nothing too spectacular. Same old. Mm -hmm. Yeah, making that bank though. Sweet. Well, I'm glad that y'all were able to be on the podcast. I'm excited to see uh, what y'all have to share. So we're going to be in Genesis chapter 22, uh, looking at you know the famous story of Abraham and Isaac. Yeah, let's just get into it. Genesis chapter 22, starting in verse 1, it says, Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, And go to the region of Moria. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire in the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed, because you have obeyed me. Then Abraham returned to his servants, and they set off together for Beersheba, and Abraham stayed at Beersheba. So, Jojo, is there anything that stood out to you, strikes you about this story? Oh, yeah. Uh, Right off the bat, actually, um, verse 1 through 3, it's God telling him what to do, and Abraham started early the next morning. So Abraham, he heard what God wanted him to do, and he just, he did it. You know, he didn't take some time to think about it and contemplate if this was really something he wanted to do. He was so sure 
in his faith and his relationship with God, I was like, yeah, if he told me to do it, I'm going to do it right away. You know, no hesitation, nothing like that. So I thought that was really cool and an interesting thing. I've never yeah. seen this story before. Yeah, that is interesting that it says early the next morning. It, it could have just been the next day, but he woke up early. So he was ready to go for it, uh, which is interesting because I, if I was probably in Abraham's shoes, I would have said, well, uh, why are you asking me to sacrifice my son? You know, but we don't get any of that. And it's not like Abraham's a stranger to questioning God because a few chapters before he was like, oh, well, what if there's righteous people in Sodom? Are you still going to destroy them? So we see that Abraham questions God, but here, like you said, it doesn't do that. He just gets up and goes, which is pretty cool. Emily, is there anything that stands out to you about this story? Yeah, um, so I thought it was really interesting because, um, you know, in our group quiet times this morning, uh, we picked a book to read and we chose to read out of James. And I thought it was such a weird coincidence that in James 2, while we were reading, it talked about how Abraham uh, showed both faith and deeds. In this story, how he not only trusted in God and had the faith, but he also proved that by physically like taking his son um, up to the mountain and like Jojo said, like uh, open early and quickly and uh, responding fast to uh, what God commanded of him. And I just thought that was so interesting and such a coincidence that I just happened to read that this morning as I was looking for scriptures to relate that to. And uh, yeah, I just thought Abraham is such a good example of the duality of needing both faith and deeds and how faith without deeds is dead. Yeah, that is a that is a cool coincidence. Because uh, I know this is, you know, that famous, if there's any like one particular story about Abraham uh, to remember, this is kind of that one that gets mentioned countless times afterwards. And I think it, that's cool that you just so happen to read one of those times about this, which is neat. Uh, I didn't even thought about looking in James for anything about that. I didn't even know I mentioned that. Uh, but that is cool that because uh, Abraham's the the father of faith and that in James it says faith without works is dead. And Abraham does demonstrate both of those, that he has faith because he believed in God. I think it says that in like chapter 15 of Genesis or something. He believed in the Lord and that was credited to him as righteousness. But he also went out and did what God said. So I think that, that's pretty neat. Something uh, I guess I want to ask Jojo so this is in first one. It says God tested Abraham. Why do you think uh, that God decided to test Abraham? Um, I think it has to do with the fact that God had so much in store for Abraham. He really, uh, I don't know if the word is, uh, he didn't admire, but he held Abraham to such a high regard because, you know, he had all these fans. He's like the father of all the nations, as I went on to talk about. And I feel like this was just a test of Abraham's courage, or not courage, his character. And God wanted to see how far Abraham would actually go in serving him. And as you can see here, uh, Abraham would even sacrifice his own son to put God first, which I think is incredible. And he definitely uh, lived up to what God was expecting of him. Yeah, I think it's a good test of character, to say the least, of saying, hey, go take your son, uh, your only son whom you love, and go sacrifice him for me. Which, speaking of that and testing his character, I think something that's interesting is that every time it, Isaac is brought up, it always says his son. It never just says Isaac and just lets it be, you know? Uh, that's an interesting little thing. It's, God is always saying your son or his son Isaac. And then Abraham, every time he responds to him, he says my son, you know? 
which I think is kind of cool that it's constantly emphasizing that fact of like, this is his son. It's easy to read this story and think, oh, well, look, how can how can you believe in God? Because he wants you to sacrifice your son. Because uh, the scripture just kind of throws it out there, you know, it just says this is what happened. And of course, he doesn't go through with it. God stops him, which we'll get into that later. But I think there's a lot of subtle things here that the scripture is constantly pointing out, stuff like that, and making you think about that. Because it always says, my son, my son, or your son, you know. That really, I guess, subconsciously drills it into your head of like, uh, this is a crazy thing that he's asking him to do. So let me ask a follow-up question to that, Emily. Do you think that God ever intended Abraham to actually sacrifice his son? Do you think God ever actually wanted that at any point? No, I don't think he was looking for the actual sacrifice. I don't think he wanted Isaac to die or for Abraham to um, go through that loss of a son and that kind of suffering and pain. But I think he did want to see Abraham's uh, actions lined up with his heart and what he said. You have to have those deeds to line up with your faith. You can't just have a heart behind it and your words behind it. There has to be like some kind of proof of that. And I think it says that he actually uh, took the knife to slay his son. Yeah. He must have been like, in such turmoil and he must have been suffering a lot like, through the journey back then. But once he actually got there, I mean, he was ready to obey God. And, um, he brought everything with him, all the servants, and he prepared the altar and uh, got the knife and everything. And he was like, ready to obey God and actually do it. But I don't think God ever was willing to let that carry through. I think um, he was just willing to let it go to that point to see if Abraham was really going to obey God. Yeah, I agree. I don't think God ever intended to actually have Abraham uh, sacrifice his son. Of course, God could ask for it, but I think reading the rest of the Bible, everything that happens after this, it's pretty clear that, and even reading it before, all the stuff before this, I think it's pretty clear that God is not the kind of God that would want that, despite what some people may think. God doesn't want that kind of stuff, you know? And I think uh, something of like, why sacrifice Isaac of all things? You know, like, why couldn't God test him in some other way, you know, ask Abraham to jump off a cliff or something. I don't know. Why did it have to be sacrificing his son? And I think that's something, uh, it gets brought up later uh, in like Exodus and other things like that, that other gods, you know, like lowercase g gods, do ask for sacrifice that other people, whatever you want to call them, heathens, <laughs> whatever you want to call them, the other people who don't believe in the Lord, that they do have sacrifices like Baal and stuff, where they do sacrifice their own kids, you know? So that was a, a common thing. At least it was common in like the book of Exodus. I imagine it was also common here uh, during Abraham's time that uh, that would have been a, a typical thing to do for a god is to sacrifice your child. And so I wonder if maybe when God said this to Abraham, Abraham was thinking, well, I thought you were different, God, but I guess all these other gods want child sacrifices. So I guess maybe I need to just sacrifice mine to yours, you know, that maybe he had thought about that. But I think it's pretty cool that, of course, God is different. Uh, he doesn't uh, end up wanting that sacrifice. And it's easy to argue that he never wanted that because that's not who God is, right? He doesn't want child sacrifice because that's crazy. That kind of stuff is abhorrent, I think is, I don't know if he uses that in the NIV, but in the King James, he uses that word a lot. That stuff is abhorrent and disgusting to the Lord. Yeah, but but I think going on that, there's something that is interesting. Another like subtle thing to point out is that God, right? The all the scriptures just keep saying God, God, and God. But who 
is it that calls out to Abraham to make I, Abraham stop the sacrifice? It says the angel of the Lord. That's, you know, Lord all in capital letters, uh, which is kind of cool because then it uses Lord for the rest of that story, which, you know, Lord all in caps is like when God is, you know, laying it out there. He's like, I am the Lord, you know, which I think is kind of cool. Uh, comparing it to, you know, the other gods like Baal and stuff that do demand child sacrifice, that this is a, a moment where God can stand out and separate himself from the other gods out there, you know, the works of men, the gods of stone and all that kind of stuff, where he says, I am the Lord and like, I do not want this sacrifice, you know, like I think it says in Hosea or something like I desire mercy, not sacrifice. But I think this is kind of a, a story that can show us uh, who God is by saying, you know, he doesn't want that sacrifice, which Oh, we probably knew that going into this. Yeah, so something I guess I want to uh, mention uh, or go into more about what you said, Emily, about Abraham must be in turmoil and all that. It says that the journey took three days, right? So Abraham got his son Isaac, and they walked for three days, and then however long it took for him to build the altar and all that kind of stuff. I don't know if there's an answer to this kind of question, but just something uh, for us to think about, Jojo, is what do you think uh, was going on between Abraham and Isaac? Like, can you give me an image of what you think that interaction what those days would might have been like man i don't know must have been really surreal for abraham you know walking with his son um, fully realizing and expecting those to be the last days he spends with his son so he was probably trying to get as much out of them as he could isaac was just thinking it was just another trip but abraham was just probably having a really hard time with that but it's hard to tell yeah because it doesn't give us any details on uh anything at all about that which i think is interesting you know because there's things that the scripture does say but it's also interesting to consider what it leaves out you know and mm -hmm. why might it leave those kinds of things out because it doesn't mention anything about what abraham's thinking or what isaac's thinking for that matter they're just kind of doing it you know they're just kind of yeah. going on this journey um, makes I wonder you wonder how, how long. Sorry, what? No, you're good. It makes you wonder how long, like, it took for Isaac to realize something was up. Because you know, making those three days is a lot of time to think. So, like, how long did it take him to realize that there wasn't a sacrifice? And right. why was dad talking to him so much? You know, like, I wonder if he ever caught on to what was happening. I actually think he caught on pretty early, even though it says like, um, in verse like seven to eight how it says like uh where's the where's the sacrifice like all the all the blood and the fire is here but i think he come earlier than that like he would have seen like the change in his father's attitude the journey there and like maybe he was like crying or just like maybe distant from his son or just a change in expression and attitude and I think he would have seen that um, something's different about this sacrifice than others. And I don't know how old Isaac must have been. Um, there's like a lot of debate on how old he was, but I don't think that really matters. Um, I think he was old enough to comprehend that he needed to trust his father in the situation. And um, it's interesting like, the relationship that Abraham had with God and then um, the relationship with Isaac and his father, how they both had to trust the person that was kind of like in control of their life and um, mm -hmm. 
And it's uh, just weird to see like how um, Isaac was just willing to go through with this and like didn't like fight with his dad or like argue with him or try to escape or anything. That, um, he just trusted him in some way that Abraham trusted him. Yeah, I didn't even think about that kind of parallel that as Abraham was doing what God said, Isaac was just going along with what Abraham said. I didn't even thought about that, but that, that makes sense that they're both following basically like the people who rule their lives, you know? And yeah, I, I bet Isaac had to have known beforehand because you can't journey for three days and not wonder like, okay, uh, where's the lamb? Like where where's our sacrifice, you know? Maybe it's going to be there waiting for us. And plus I think... Uh, he would have had to have noticed some change in Abraham, right? Because God says, uh, you know, your only son whom you love. And I, I imagine like since this is technically not Abraham's only son, he had Ishmael, but this is the promised son, right? The one that God said through him, through Isaac, every nation will be will be blessed through him. Like this is the the child who my promise is with. But uh, I can just imagine like how much uh, Abraham did love Isaac. Like he probably gave him so much preferential treatment and all that. And then I wonder, would he have continued to do that after for those three days when God's like, go sacrifice him? You know, maybe he was probably sad every time he talked to Isaac, you know, because uh, I can just hear it in just the few verses we have here when he's like, yes, my son, like I'm here. And I can just imagine him being really sad about that, you know, contemplating in like a, a Hollywood moment of like, oh, the sad music fest playing like, oh, I'm going to like you're I'm about to lose you, you know? Yeah, I think that stuff's interesting to consider because that's again all that stuff that it doesn't say you know that gets kind of left out and maybe it's not important like it doesn't say how old Isaac was so I guess that's not important that Abraham you know had all these complex emotions and stuff I'm sure he had to have had them because he's human but it doesn't mention them so I guess at the end of the day it doesn't matter what matters is what he actually did I do think it's interesting that uh, it doesn't mention Isaac trying to run away or trying to fight Abraham at all that's kind of weird it just says that he bound Isaac and then bound him on top of the altar. And like, what would he had to have said to Isaac? Like, okay, son, get up on the wood. Like, get up on the altar. <laughs> and then what What does he do? Does he say like, okay. And he's like really chipper about it. Like he's so naive. He has no idea. Or is he like, I don't know. I guess I imagine they probably both had like a, an understanding of what was going on. And then Isaac was just going along. What do you mm -hmm. think about that, Jojo? Yeah, I don't know. I was actually thinking about that earlier. Like what the whole interaction was or the exchange was like if Isaac you know fought back at all or if he was just very like willing to do that it doesn't really say but I guess from what it does say we can assume he didn't really put up too much of a fight kind of going off what Emily said he just trusted his dad and that's what he had to do so I guess going off of what there is I'm assuming he didn't fight but you know who knows right and I guess at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. What matters is that Abraham was willing to do what God said, and Isaac was also going, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, he can kind of be a forgotten of. as like he's just an object of the story. Like, do we sacrifice him or do we not? But he's a character in the story. So both of them, both Abraham and Isaac, demonstrated faith together in doing this, you know, because Isaac could have ran away or something. I do think it's interesting, uh, the choice of words, when it says that Isaac spoke up and said, Father, you know, it could have, uh, maybe that's just a translation thing, but the fact that it says spoke up makes me think of like, uh, you know, if something's going on and you're quiet, and then we would use the phrase spoke up as in like, you're not going to be silent anymore. Like you're, you're speaking up and trying to encounter something, you know, which I think is kind of interesting. It could have just said that Abraham, that Isaac asked, but it said that he spoke up. I think that's interesting. 
I don't know if there's anything there to that, but <laughs> something I guess to consider. There's a lot of little things in that. I guess we'd have to read the Hebrew to understand all the context. Uh, I guess we'll get into like the sacrifice itself and thinking about like what does that mean. I think it's uh, clear. There's there's some little uh, again all these little subtle things like it says on the third day Abraham went uh, like arrived and there's you know all this talk about your son your only son and like sacrificing him and then in verse eight. It says, Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son, that uh, there's probably a lot of parallels here to Jesus, right? Like you can take Abraham and Isaac. Well, Isaac's Abraham's only son, whom he loves, and then he's asked to sacrifice him. But then God says, no, you don't have to do that. Uh, and there's the idea that God himself will provide that sacrifice, right? What do y'all think about that, Emily? Of Like, what's the kind of parallels? Is there any parallels? Or what do you think that could relate to with? Uh, Abraham and Isaac, and then God and Jesus. Um, yeah, I think it's kind of like a, a foreshadowing in a way, you know, like, um, like Isaiah, how he was a prophet, and he was bring up how there's going to be like Messiah and all that. I think that's another um, kind of foreshadowing prophecy here um, with a parallel of how uh, a father had to sacrifice a son. And I think in this passage, yeah, it was just a metaphor that we could easily understand, I guess, and um, just see like the emotions and the uh, kind of trust and faith that uh, went behind it, that um, in the same way with God giving up his son to go onto the cross for us, uh, maybe it's uh, difficult for us to see uh, how big that sacrifice was because we just think that um, God is, we might think that God is okay with it, um, since he went a lot to happen, but I think this passage helps us see that uh, God was in pain and he didn't want to see his son, his only son, who he loved, go to the cross like that and suffer. And I think this passage is just um, a way for us to easily understand the kind of love that a father can have for his son, especially whenever he has to give him up and um, just have like, a lot of faith and trust in yeah, I think that's a, a good point that we can read this story and then it says, you know, your son, your only son whom you love. And then we read this and like, imagine if this story was just in like a novel or something, we would read it and say like, that's horrible. You know, that's a, that's a traumatic and soul wrenching, heartbreaking thing. But of course, God went through that ultimately. And Abraham didn't have to do that. He didn't have to sacrifice his son, but God did go through with it. And so I think uh, that's a good point that you brought up that we can read this and it gives us a, a hint, to like, I guess, kind of empathize with God in a way of like, God has feelings and how how must he have felt when uh, Jesus went through all the things that he did? Because like when Jesus was baptized, it says, you know, the spirit of the Lord depend, descended on him like a dove. And it said that this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Uh, and it, I think that's just a sign of like, you know, God loved Jesus so much. and then. He had to sacrifice him uh, for our for our sakes. You know, it wasn't like no one told God to do it. Uh, it was, so it wasn't like he was ordered to do it. He just did it willingly for us, you know. And so I think this story can help us empathize with God and see that, uh, well, for one, it's uh, incredible to see that, you know, so early on into the Bible, uh, there's already these parallels to Jesus and all these hints and prophecies of, of, of who Jesus is, right? And like what he 
goes through and what God goes through with that, which is neat to see that, you know, it goes back way, way back, however long ago this was, hundreds, thousands of years. And then also it helps us to understand uh, God better, right? And, and Jesus better. I heard it put, uh, I forget exactly how it was and who told me, but someone said that you read the Old Testament to learn the heart of God, because this is, uh, it's the bigger of the two, the Old and New Testament. And God is a, a, a character. And you could argue that, okay, God's a character in the New Testament, but we usually call him Jesus instead. God himself doing this stuff uh, as a God and not as a, as a man. And so the Old Testament gives hints into what the heart of God is like, right? And here, I think uh, the takeaway is that God's heart, he does not want uh, sacrifice like that. Uh, he doesn't want to hurt people. Um, we just kind of do it to ourselves. But he's willing to go through with it if it means to save other people. And so I think that's a really cool and powerful takeaway just from this little story. And it was so powerful that it gets continually called back to by you know later prophets. And then even in the New Testament, uh, people calling back to this moment of Abraham having faith and doing what God says. And then God reveals who he is, you know, and isn't that just kind of how like every story in the Bible ought to go? Maybe it doesn't always go that way, but, you know, there's a command and then if they have faith, they do it. And then you learn something about God along the way. You know, that's like your little formula for a, a cool Bible story. Right. But I guess, as we know from reading, it usually doesn't go like that. It, there's a command and then we don't do it like the person doesn't act in faith, doesn't do it. And then you also learn something about God and you learn something about uh, human, the human heart along the way. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And thank you, Jojo and Emily, for being here today. This has been Big Faith with Simple Truth Campus Ministry, and we record these every week. So I hope to see you next time. See ya.